All right, so we started a new series on missions. We just talked about how you are God's beloved, how you can receive being God's beloved and his love, ways that you can put yourself into habits without even thinking about it, of receiving God's love. And then tonight, we're going to talk about what do you do with this love that has been given you. And I think in order to answer this question, or, or what do you do with this, you need to know your story. You need to know who you are, and you need to know your history. What is your story? What is written on your heart? What is God writing through your life? All the pain, the hurt, the chaos, the good, the bad, the happy moments, and the low moments. Do those matter? Does it matter? That is the question that I want to ask first before we get into what do you do with God's love. And I think a way in order to answer this question, I want to tell you that you and the story that's being written on your heart is part of a bigger story than you can imagine. Way bigger than what I'm about to even be able to summarize for you. It is a grand story. It's an eternal story. I think our lives are a lot like light or stars. You know that when you look into the night sky, you're looking at light from stars that are most likely already dead. But you are impacted and touched by that light. You go, wow. Isn't that beautiful? But those stars likely have already lived their full lifespan and are gone. But yet you are impacted by their light. I believe in God's word. It tells us through his story that your life is like a star. Long after you're gone, your light will still shine Forever and ever and ever and ever. And it tells a story. It's telling a story. We can look in the Bible and look at our ancestors who have gone before us and whose light still shine and legacy is still left to us. You are connected to them just like I and we are connected to those who are going to live 4,000 years from now. Just like we are connected with those who lived 4,000 years ago. You got to know the story. And you got to understand that it's way bigger than you can ever think of. Way bigger than you can imagine. You are a tree in a forest. And the story is about the forest. But it doesn't mean that you as an individual tree don't have your own qualities own purpose, own meaning. But remember, you're a tree in the forest. And the story that's being written is about the forest, not just about you. We're all connected. So with that set, I want to take you to the beginning of your history. I want to look deep into the night sky of our past and look at the light that has gone long before us. And let's read it together. Let's hear it together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth with his words. 
He spoke and it was created. He created light with his words. He spoke and it was created. He created you and designed you and he made you. Bless you. He designed and he created and he made you with his hands in his own image so that when you look at yourself, you see God. You look like God and God looks like you. And in the beginning, when all things were made and you were formed in mankind, in Adam, your story was being written out. When he created you, he made you in his image and he gave you a mission. He gave Adam, the first man, a mission. This is the mission that Adam was given. God blessed Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over it. All living things on earth. And God saw that it was very good. But he did call them to one more thing. He said, but do not eat of the tree. Do not eat of the tree. I need you to pay attention to this. God does not force you to love him. He lets you choose. He lets you make the decision. He doesn't say, I'm going to make you love me. He could program you to love him. He's the creator. He can design you that way, but he didn't because he wants a relationship with you. In order to have a relationship, there has to be a choice. There has to be freedom to choose or not to choose. And Adam, he chose to disobey and eat of that tree. But I want you to know that the, the stakes were made very clear from the beginning. Parenting one-on-one says that you, when you give your kids rules, you should let them know the consequences so that they know what to expect when they break those rules. Well, God said to Adam, said, if you break this rule, you will die. It's a life and death situation. It actually seems pretty easy. Just don't eat of one tree. There's hundreds and thousands and millions of trees on earth to eat from, but don't eat of that one. It's way easier to obey in this scenario than to disobey. So in order to disobey, it has to be direct. God's saying, listen, is, I've made it clear and easy for you to obey here, to be satisfied, to have me. And yet he chose to disobey. And by doing so, he broke God's heart. He broke God's heart. And so, because of his disobedience, he must die. He must die. And so evil enters into the world. Pain, hurt, brokenness, death enters into this world. And the first seeds of it start there with that disobedience. The reason why we die is not because of God, but because of your sin. Because your sin separates you from God, the life source. When you sin, you unplug from the wall and you have 100% battery life and slowly it drains down to zero and you can never plug back in. Once you sin, you unplug and you can never plug back in. But God, in this story, 
He wants to be with his people, with his children, with his creation. And we long in the deepest corners of our heart to be with him. We long for life. We feel like we're dying every single day. And we long to have him because he's our life source. But we look to the creation that he made to give us life. And all we need is him to live forever. You see, the creation deceived Man, a serpent, spoke a lie, said, this is not the way it's supposed to be to Adam. And so Adam ate, and so did Eve. But remember, who's in charge of the serpent? Whose mission is to be in charge of the ordering of the creatures on earth? God said, it's your job. And so if any one of them are out of line, then it must die. But Adam did not bring order there, did not fulfill his mission. But God says this in Genesis 3, right after they sinned, he says to Adam, listen to me, there is hope for you. You are cursed because of your disobedience, but there is hope to break this curse. There will be a man that will come and he will crush the head of the serpent. He will do what you failed to do to protect and fill the earth with my love. He will do what you failed to do to spread the gardens to the corners of the entire earth, to the universe. He will do what you failed to do. He will crush the head of the serpent. He will protect. He will protect. He will guide. He will guard. He will love. But he will be bitten and he will die. Right there in Genesis 3. This passage in Genesis 3, that was written Four? No. 1,500 years before Jesus would ever walk on earth. Our country's only been around for like 200. 1,500 years before Jesus would walk on earth, this was prophesied, that there would be someone who would come and crush the head of the serpent. So the earth fills with evil, wickedness, and darkness. The lights go out on this planet. It is a dying and wilting world. It's unclean, it's evil, it's gross. People are killing each other. People are uh, engaging in sin, breaking each other's hearts, ripping at each other. There's no one safe. You can't be yourself on this planet. It's so evil. It's so evil. People taking advantage of each other. So God cleaned it. Just like you would wash a counter with water, God cleansed the earth with water. He sent a flood to wipe out the evil. And so he sends this flood, and it comes down, and it wipes out the entire earth, and it kills everything but one family that he reserves to start over with. One family he keeps safe, and two of every animal he keeps safe to start over a new creation in this story, to wipe out the evil, and then to start again with Noah. And when the water subsided and the cleansing was done, God said, he says in the Bible, in Genesis 9, God blessed Noah. You guys catching the thing? And he said, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. Like any good story, there's foreshadowing. Like any good story in in a book, there is these hints and clues to what's going to happen. And here it is again, repeated. 
the same story. And so it's on them to redo the garden, to redo the beginning. But Noah gets drunk. Noah falls into sin and rebellion against God. And the world, once again, plants that seed of evil, which spreads like wildfire throughout the earth, burning it up, wilting it away, drowning it again in its wickedness and evil. So God said, let me try this. He goes to Abraham, a man who uh, lived a long, long time ago, goes to Abraham and says, listen, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you so much and your descendants are going to be a light to the nations. Your descendants will bless the world. And you'll be so blessed and given so much that you will use your gifts to bless the entire known world. And so God enacts that plan with Abraham. And they became, became a nation called Israel. And where God located Israel was in the center, the dead center. Like Lakantos, the dead center of Citrus County. He centered Israel in the dead center of the known world. So that anyone from any other nation that wanted to trade with another nation had to actually go through Israel and experience the living God in those people and be blessed by them and go, oh my gosh, this guy's, this Lord, this God, this King's amazing. We need to bring him back to our nation. We need to tell our other nations about this place. They were supposed to be a light to the nations. And they were given a law, rules, the Ten Commandments. Maybe you've heard of them. And it was a way to live so that you could fill the earth up with love. Fill it up with the garden. Fill it up with God's goodness. And so they tried and failed. And instead of them being a light to the nations, the nations snuffed them out. They became evil and wicked. They actually became so evil and wicked that they actually split and started killing themselves in civil war. God's people are supposed to be of love, but instead they are a people of hate. Does it not sound familiar? Are you not catching the themes here? Are you catching them? Are you seeing the parallels? So God said, get this, I will raise up a king and he will lead you in the ways to live. And so he raised up King David, a man after God's own heart. And he was supposed to teach them. A physical human being, one human being was supposed to teach them how to live and their ways. And David sinned. David sinned. He killed his best friend. David sinned. David slept with his best friend's wife. David sinned. David sinned. He broke the law. And so Israel fell. This light to the nations, this hope for the world, this, this being that was supposed to show the world that you are loved, you matter, your life matters, your story matters, shatters and falls apart. With King David. And it all goes dark. Very dark for centuries centuries. God seems to be gone. God seems to be far. Where is God? Has he abandoned us? But then there was a baby born in a manger. A little boy. And he never ever 
sin. He fulfilled the law. The law that was given to fill the earth with love. He never broke it. If he was in the garden of Eden, he would have never eaten of that tree. He would have never done that. And so he lived his life perfectly. And so based on the rules of the game, based on the story, if you obey perfectly, if you obey the laws, it's simple math, you don't die. You live forever, right? So he perfectly obeys everything. He perfectly keeps everything. He never is evil, never is wicked, all the time loving, all the time bringing God's goodness. He is the Garden of Eden. He is the hope to the world. He is Israel incarnated. He is the Son of God. The world is seeing that he's God's son. The world sees that he's a human being. And so what do God's people start to do as they are in the darkness and the light begins to turn on? They begin to say, this is our guy. This is our king. This is the return of David. He's going to bring the good news. He's going to bring the blessings back upon us. And they say he will kill our enemies. And so this is what happens to this boy who grows into a man. What do you think happens? And how does the story always go? He dies on a cross. The hope of the world crumbles and darkness again enters. They thought that this man would lead them into victory over their enemies, over their oppressors, but he died. They thought that he was the son of God, but God can't die, but he died. They thought that they were going to be saved, that they were going to be rescued, but he died. But they missed the point. All along, what was at stake is life and death from the beginning. The consequence, the punishment has to be fulfilled, has to be made complete, has to be satisfied. The curse has to be satisfied. And the curse on the world was satisfied when a perfect man died on a cross. Adam was one man and he sinned and evil came into the world. Jesus was one man and he lived perfectly. And eternal life is brought back to us. This boy, this man that grows up who dies on the cross is Jesus. On the third day, he resurrected. He was born again. He conquered death. He's alive today. Now, if Jesus is really dead right now, then your life does not matter. If Jesus is dead, if he is dead, then your life does not matter. But if he's alive, then it means your story is significant. It means that you have a purpose and a mission to love the world like he did. Because he loves you. I want to read to you real quick in Acts chapter 2. What happened after Jesus resurrected? You know what he said when he resurrected? He said this, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make relationship with all kinds of people. Go love the unlovable. And this is what God's church looked like. This is what Jesus' church looks like. God's people devoted themselves to the teaching of the word. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to breaking bread and eating together and praying together. And all came upon every single soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed 
were together and they had everything in common. And they were selling their possessions, belongings, and distributing all the proceeds to everyone they could meet who had a need. And day by day, they attended to the church together, breaking food together in their homes. They received food together with glad and generous hearts. They praised God and worshipped him and had favor amongst all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is what it looks like to have a purpose and a mission. You're part of this big story. You are a light in the darkness. You're like a star shining. And your light will shine long after you're gone. You have a purpose. It's eternal. It's missional. God's mission is to fill the earth with his love. And he could do that himself. But because he loves you, and because he wants a relationship with you, he invites sinners like you to do it with him. I have experienced God's love the most, from the most broken and the most sinful. That is how I've experienced God's love. I want you guys to see a picture of the kingdom of God tonight. And one of the best pictures I've seen lately is, is from Noah Bresson recently. Noah Bresson won homecoming king at Crystal River High School, which is awesome. But who really cares? That's great. That's sweet. But you know what's really beautiful? And you know what's life-changing? And you know what's going to be eternal and missional? He gets it. Noah would say, don't be like me. He doesn't care too. Don't, definitely don't be like Noah. Oh, my gosh. I'm just kidding. But he would say, don't be like me. Don't be like me, and don't look to me. But what Noah does so well is he holds people in their pain, and he holds people in their hurt, and he loves the unlovable. Why? Because Noah knows he's unlovable, and Noah's been loved by his God, by his Jesus. And so this for him to dance with a special needs girl named Gabby at homecoming is a piece of cake. It's natural. No, duh, of course I'll dance with her. Of course I'll dance with someone who no one wants to dance with. Because Jesus loves me, and I'm a nobody. So I can love them. I want you guys to watch and just see what it looks like.
Listen. That right there is it. The unlovable being loved, the needy, the broken. That's what's been done for you. Jesus says, will you dance with me? Will you do it with me? He invites you on the dance floor. He holds you. And he loves you. You are made to dance. That's your purpose. That's your mission, is to dance and invite others to dance with you. Let's pray.